Please rise for the reading of the Gospel. <clears throat> the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the first chapter. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood, or of the will of the flesh, or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The Gospel of the Lord. Before my sermon this morning, I wish to share with you two selections from a book that I have that, as you can see from the dog ears and the tags, is well-loved. It's Christmas with Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and while reading last night, I came across two of my favorite selections that I hope you will enjoy. They are both brief, and they're both by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. All who at the manger finally lay down all power and honor, all prestige, all vanity, all arrogance and self-will, all who take their place among the lowly and let God alone be high, all who see the glory of God in the lowliness of the child in the manger, these are the ones who truly celebrate Christmas. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, this is how we speak at the manger in Bethlehem, 
This is how our words pile up on one another at the sight of the divine child. And yet, these words are finally, in fact, nothing other than a wordless silence of adoration before the inexpressible, the presence of God in the form of a human child. I have always loved words. As a schoolgirl, I was always that one in English class, the one that probably annoyed you, sitting in the front row, waving my arm, virtually jumping out of my seat to get to be the one called on to diagram the sentence on the blackboard. Specifically, I love finding out what a word means, where it's derived from, where its origins are from, and so on. I am that person. This, I find, is particularly fascinating in the Bible, where nobody and nothing is named accidentally. In Scripture, as you well know, every name bears meaning and often even offers clues as to the role that this person or place will play in the story of the relationship between God and humanity. The name Adam comes from the Hebrew word Adama, which means earth, as Adam was formed by God's own hand from the Adama, or earth. The name Isaac comes from the Hebrew word Yitzchak, which means to laugh, since his mother Sarah laughed, to learn that she was pregnant at such an old age. The name of the place Golgotha means the place of the skull, and was the hill where Jesus and many others met their deaths by crucifixion, and so on. And so I have been thinking a lot lately about Bethlehem, the name Bethlehem, this birthplace of Jesus, the name which means literally house of bread. And funnily enough, this made me think of the birdhouses in our backyard. I assure you there is a connection between the birds in our backyard and the Christ child. We have two bird feeders in our backyard, right outside our big picture window in our dining room. The one that I favor most actually looks like a tiny house. It's filled with a mixture containing nuts and sunflower and safflower seeds and dried fruit. It attracts cardinals woodpeckers, chickadees, nuthatches, and finches. I love watching these birds because they seem to roughhouse one another amongst themselves in order to get to the feeder. Some birds become territorial and fight off newcomers. They push, they jostle, they remind me of my sons at supper time. Then there are these other birds called juncos, unfortunately named, I think, juncos, which feed off the ground, pecking at seeds that the other birds have knocked from the feeder. Often, the birds will swoop in and feed with such fervor and intensity, you'd think that they were eating their last meal. What they don't know, and what they can't know, is that only 10 feet away from them sits a giant bag of bird seed 
intended to refill their little house whenever it's empty, but they can't know this because they're bird-brained, literally. And so the struggle for them continues day in and day out. Who will get to the birdhouse first? Who will get the most seed? Who will peck at the fallen seed off the ground? All of this takes place at this little bird feeder that looks like a house. It makes me think of people. And it makes me think of Christmas. We hear the story of God coming to earth and becoming human. We know he's born in Bethlehem, in the town whose name means house of bread. If we think of Bethlehem as the house that brought forth this bread, this Jesus, who is the bread of life, the bread that has come down from heaven to feed this hungry world, This makes me think of people in the same way I think of birds. All of us fighting and clamoring about who gets to claim this bread, who deserves more, who understands it better, who claims priority in the pecking order, who is relegated to the position of bottom feeder, left to scrape the crumbs up off the floor. We struggle with one another as if somehow there is not enough to go around, as if this bread will somehow run out, as if there's not enough grace to go around, as if there is life abundant for some, but not for all. But this is not Christmas. Christmas is the reality that God comes to earth and becomes human and is born of a human mother in Bethlehem, the house of bread, which also, by the way, also means house of flesh, which I think is very interesting for those of you who love words, because in this word of God, in this incarnational miracle of Emmanuel, common bread becomes flesh in the body of Christ, because this God-made man is the one who will die and give his flesh as sacrifice for every living being whom God has ever created so that those who were once condemned to eternal hell now inherit eternal life. And there is enough to go around. The gift of grace that comes to us at Christmas time, this bread of life, this body of Christ, is enough to feed this entire world, indeed the entire cosmos. The gift given at Christmas is for the proud male cardinals flashing their bright plumage, as well as for the timid mother cardinals who fear for their young, for the driven woodpeckers who intimidate the sparrows, for the playful chickadees, for the humble juncos pecking on the ground down below, for the sparrows who move about as a host with safety in numbers. People are the same. The flashy ones the timid ones, the fearful ones, the driven ones, the meek ones, the grieving ones, the playful ones, the ones who find safety in numbers. And if God so cares for the birds of the air and provides for them, will God not also provide for us with enough grace and love and mercy to go around? 
The son who comes to us today is gift abundant for the long dead, for we who currently live, and for those yet unborn. The house of Bethlehem has produced a child who is bread, flesh, body of Christ, of a limitless supply. So I offer you this image as it comes to us this day from the world of birds, as observed through my dining room window on many a morning. It is not, I will confess to you, the most theologically riveting sermon. But then again, it's Christmas Day, and what is left to say? Finally, after four weeks of Advent preparation and pondering, what is finally left to say except may we learn from the birds and realize with our God-given human intellect that there are no castes or classes in the kingdom of God as it breaks upon us today. There are no second-class citizens, no bottom feeders in the kingdom of God. The birth of Jesus Christ is radically subversive and brilliant in this world today, where it is now a daily exercise to determine who is undesirable. Christmas began, as much as we hate to admit it, as a political coup, an infant king who challenged Herod's crown. It continues as a political coup, as the same infant king who leaves no one out, none behind, and never casts one down to scrape crumbs up off the floor. Jesus Christ is born today from the house of Bethlehem, the house of bread, the house of flesh, the tiny, insignificant town that brought forth the Savior of the world, bread of life, flesh that is crucified to save this world that rejects him, the body of Christ who comes to feed all people, the deserving and the undeserving, the understanding and the confounded, the kings from the east and the shepherds, the flashy and the timid, the president and the crack addict, the virgin and the prostitute, the cheater and the righteous, and in return demands nothing, not conversion, nor obedience, but gives and gives of himself, his flesh, bread for the life of this world. Jesus' policies, gospel, won't change. His truth will not shift. God's word is truth, and the word is Jesus, this word made flesh that comes to our creation this day to the birds of the air, to me and to you. Thanks be to God.